morning. Guys, it is what they say. I'm from Mississippi. So you'll hear me say some stuff that you probably won't understand. But we say when it's hot, we say it's hotter than a homemade biscuit out here. It is pretty warm. Let me tell you. I feel a little distance from you, so I hate that because I like to get in spitting range to make sure that this thing really goes over. You know what I'm saying? But I've drank half, I've drank half my water, so you know, if I fall out in here, Henry, where you at, bro? Come on, and help me out. Don't let me, don't let me just lay down here, man. Help me out, Henry. Okay. All right. Well, I'm just very grateful right now. I'm grateful that I get an opportunity to come to South Bay because I've heard so many great things about you. And I'm going to check it out right afterwards because if, if you're great, then you've got great food. <laughs> I, I'm just landing on out there. Henry told me to bring it. So I didn't know what he was talking about, so I brought an appetite. I brought it, Henry. I brought it. But uh, I'm ready to, to serve up God's word to you. The way that only I know how to do because God has really been in my life for such a long time until, you know, I, I just always just want to be with God. I just want to rest next to God. I just always want to touch God. Do you feel that way in your life as a Christian? You know, this morning I'm going to talk about a man by the name of Noah. Because that's what Steve told me to talk about. But, no, it's getting a great series going, guys, about some of the faithful men in the Bible. And while I'm talking, why don't you go ahead and turn your Bibles over to Hebrews chapter 11. Which, if you know anything about it, about chapter 11, it is a moving account of the old faithful guys. The old faithful Old Testament saints. You know, they have been given the title of, you know, things like the Saints of Hall of Fame, the Heroes of the Faith. I know they were old because I know Noah, he was, he was 600 years there, and, you know, they got a lot of guys. Moses was an old guy. You, you look there, all of these guys, even Enoch, all these guys were old guys. And I can relate to these old guys because I'm an old guy myself. You know, relating to being old, you know, there was a thing I looked at the other day. It says, you know when you're getting old, when your teeth, when you go to sleep and your teeth don't go to sleep with you. They say, you know when you're getting old, when you, when you try to straighten out the wrinkles in your socks and you discover you're not wearing any. That's when you're getting old, brother. It says, like guys like me, he says, you know you're getting old when a happy hour is the time that you take a nap. You know, I, I knew I was getting old when um, my idea of weightlifting was just standing up. And this is the one for, you know, for some of you guys. They say, you know, you know you're getting old when you give up all your bad habits. And you still feel bad. 
That's getting old right there. But all these men that's in here in Hebrews chapter 11, they, they can attest to the value of living by faith in this chapter. Each example of the faith here that they talk about is formally introduced by the phrase, by faith, this man did. By faith, he did. By faith. And when they talk about that, you know, they introduce it that way because it's talking about a true saving faith. A faith that works in the obedience of God. And that's what we all got to have. We got to have that faith that works through the obedience of God so that we can accomplish what God wants us to do as men and women of God. This morning we'll be looking at these faithful men. And, but the only one I want to look at today is Noah. But before we start, let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, this is so incredible that you have given us times like these in our lives. And Father, as we even can complain about the weather, Father, how awesome it is that we are not back east in the snow. But Father, we know that the best in our lives are yet to come. And God, I know the best in our lives even now is yet to come because, Father, I pray that your word can be delivered in a way like no other. Father, I always pray that you can move me out of the way so that you can come through and ring out for the people. And Father, I pray that prayer right now. Father, that you can use me in a way, Father, like no other. That some heart will be moved today because they hear your word. Not that they hear me, but they hear you. Thank you for this time and this opportunity. Father, I know that you're with us. Please bless us today. We pray these things in your son's holy name. Amen. I don't know about you guys, but something just happened just a few seconds ago there. Henry, tell me what it is. I looked down at my paper and, my, and the, the words was dancing. I don't know what that means. But maybe it changed. Maybe my sermon changed to the way that God wanted it to be through that prayer. But look there in, in Hebrews chapter 11. In verse 7. Go ahead and open your Bibles, your electronic devices, whatever it is that you bought to connect with God this morning. I love my electronic device, guys. I, I, it took me a while to start using things like that because I'm old. But I love my electronic Bible because it's a lot faster than me turning pages. I can just hit a few things and bam, there it is. I love that. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, we talk about Noah. It says, by faith, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heirs of the righteousness that comes by faith. We see that Noah got the inside track here. We see that God came and talked to Noah especially about something that was going to happen that was going to change the whole face of the world as he knew it. He went and he talked to this man named Noah. And yet, as he warned him about things, I kind of put myself in that position. What would I have done? 
if I knew that the world was coming to an end, what would I do? I thought about it. Being a man of God, the first thing I probably would have done was, was ask God, not right now. Because I would feel that we wasn't ready. I would feel that there was more to do. There was someone to reach out to that I haven't reached out to. Maybe there was some family members that hadn't become disciples like they need to become. There was a lot of things, a lot of excuses I could have made to God. But when we look in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 11, we see what Noah did. And the reason why God was getting ready to destroy the world, because it was so corrupt and there was so much violence. In Genesis chapter 6, look there in verse 11. It says, Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on the earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I'm surely going to destroy both them and the earth. That was very, very Hard for Noah probably to take. You know, the earth was corrupt and full of violence. People had stopped looking to God. They didn't look to our Creator. God was an afterthought to them. They no longer seek God's face. Only Noah did. You know, that's a lot of information that God gave Noah. What could he do with this? What will we do with this information? How would your faith hold up if you just found out that the world was going to be destroyed and there was nothing that you could do about it? How would your faith hold up if you got bad news? Because I know to know that was bad news. This had to be the baddest news that anyone could ever receive. You know, thinking about that, I remember when my daughter, Tasma, was three years old. And at the time, we knew that, you know, Tasma was going to go through some things in her life because she was premature. When Tasma came home from the hospital, she was two pounds, eight ounces. But when she turned three years old, what happened was she stopped eating. After she stopped eating, she stopped walking. And so she was in the hospital there, and so she, they had several doctors come in and take a look at her. And, and so the baddest news that Sarah and I could receive from a doctor at that time about Tasma was that we don't know what to do. We have done everything we could for her. We don't know what to do. It was a time that if you look at your little girl today, brothers and sisters, and they wasn't going to be around any longer, what could you do or what would you do? 
The only thing that we could do, we remember, we went to our knees in prayer. I remember that. We prayed. We prayed. We turned our face to God. We prayed in the little chapel there in the hospital. And when we came out of that chapel to walk back to Tasma's room, I know Sarah was in a, in a, in a position where she could have very well passed away herself. But see, this is how I know that God is alive and well in our lives. We walked to the door. As Sarah got to the door, the first thing Tasma did, she sat up in the bed. She says, I want something to eat. After hearing the news that she wasn't, they couldn't do anything, she says, I want something to eat. So she started eating. After she started eating, she started back walking. And after a few days, we could take her home. That's only God could do that. See, it's times in our lives when we can't go nowhere else but to God. And I believe that's where Noah was. It was a time in his life there was no place else to go but to God. You know, we had to go to the best doctor. We had to go to Dr. Jesus. Our faith was, taste, was tested, and we looked to him to heal. We looked to him because him and him alone could fix it. And that's why I love that song, because I know that he can do it. God can fix it when we can't. In Psalms 112, verse 6 through 7, it talks about bad news. It says that surely the righteous will never be shaken. They will be remembered forever. They will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. When Noah got that news, what did he do? In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7 says, In holy fear, he built an ark to save his family. What do we do when we get bad news? We have to turn, just like Noah, and become obedient to God. And I talk a little bit about that because I'll give you a little side note here. Uh, when we are obedient to God, our families benefit from it. That's amazed me, always. Whenever I've been obedient to God, God always blessed my kids from it. God always blessed my wife from it, from me being obedient. This man, Noah, received from God news that would change the world. He knew, and God knew that he chose Noah for this task. I always ask that question, why Noah? Why this man? You know, I just really had to know, so I just started to read up on Noah for the last week or so. I've just been reading everything about Noah that you could think of, you know, because I want to know why would God choose this man? Because I know that if there's something that's going to happen, I want God to tell me. But what freaked me out, I was online and I was, and I was going through looking at all of these points about Noah 
and the ark was just right there because it talks about the ark as it talks about Noah. Then all of a sudden in the corner, and you probably had this happen too, this thing came up and says, earthquake alert. Kind of freaked me out. I say, God, are you talking to me? There's going to be an earthquake? Oh, I got the inside track on that. I better go down here and get me some waters and some blankets and, and get ready. And I hope that's the way we all feel, that we get ready. But I didn't do that. Because I want to, you know, have, be a man of faith. You know, I, I'm very mindful of what can happen. And I know Noah was as well. And these are the few things that I looked and I found that about Noah. You know, the first thing I found about Noah was in, in Genesis chapter 6, verse 8. It says that the Lord found favor. And he gave favor to Noah. And I'll say, why did he do that? Why did he give Noah favor and didn't give it to someone else? But as I kept studying and kept looking, I seen that Noah was a man of integrity. Now think about it. It is so easy in this world today to lose our integrity, isn't it? You know, as soon as someone calls you on the phone and tells you, you know what? Hey, congratulations, you have won Publishing Clearinghouse. Your thoughts, more than likely, is not of something that, hey, I want to save the world. I want to give this money to the world. I want to, you know, make sure that the children in this country is fed. I want to make sure that this is done. The first thing we always say if that happens to us is, hey, man. Thank you. Start thinking about those bills we're going to pay off. Start thinking about that new shiny new toy we're going to buy. Start thinking about all of the things except the things that probably Noah would think about. He kept his integrity. This was a man that was honest and devout. He was consistently doing the will of God. I want you guys to know something, and this is something that I found out in my life, is when we sincerely look up to God with eyes of faith, God looked down upon those with the eyes of favor. And I appreciate that. You know, I, I, I came here today to really talk about me. And so I'm going to talk about me a little bit. And when we talk about favor. I remember when I was about 18 months as a, as a new disciple, what happened was I came up on a time for me to get out of the Navy, because you guys, Marco says I retired from the Navy, but halfway through the Navy, I got a chance to, to re-enlist, but I was a baby Christian, and so I got advice about what to do at this point. And so what I did was, I decided to get advice to get out. And so as I was given that advice, I did exactly what the brothers asked me to do because I thought it was the best thing for me spiritually. Not because someone had told me this, but I wanted to do the best that I can do for my family as a spiritual man of God. And so I took a chance. Halfway through nine and a half years in Navy, 
could have did a career easily, I got out. And when I got out, I went to work for a construction company. I was weighing 155 pounds at the time, very thin, not like I am today. But I went to work for a construction company, doing something that I hated with a passion, hanging drywall. And I'm talking, they gave me the job of taking the drywall from the truck to the site. And when you know it had to be a 12 flights of stairs carrying this drywall, I hated it. I hated it. But I did it because I had to feed my family. And so from 155 pounds, within six months, 195 pounds, all muscle from carrying this drywall. But the story that God showed me favor is I got an opportunity. I seen one of my friends that was in the Navy. He was recruiting in the mall. He asked me to come back in the Navy. And when I seen it, it was like almost two years later. And I was like, man, I don't know. I really want to because I really love the Navy. And so what I did was I said, you know what? If there's an opportunity, well, then I'm going to take advantage of it. And so what I did, I went to the elder of the church. And I talked to the elder, and he said, Joe, if this is what God wants for you in your life, nothing can stop it because he will show you favor. I was like, what? That's a good thing. So tell me what I must do because that's what we all want, right? We want people to tell us what to do. So what he did was he said, well, won't you lay a fleece out before God and see what God will do for you in your life. See how he will show you favor. I said, okay. First thing I said, I said, I want to keep the same rank that I had when I got out of the Navy because I didn't want to work back through all of that to get to the rank that I was. That was some hard work. But at the time... That would have been very difficult because anyone who got out of the military, when they go back, they always lose a stripe, and then they got to step back up. So he said, okay, what else? He says, I said, well, my family, we, we're in a pretty tight place right now. Can we, uh, by some means, maybe get some little money? I need a little money because we broke. He says, well, why don't you put that on there? Why don't you ask God for that? And so I said, okay. So I was getting ready to get up. Then he said, what else? I was like, man, that's a lot for God right there, those two things. He said, what else? I said, well, I don't want to go anywhere in this world that there's not a church. I don't want to go anywhere that's not a church. He said, that's great. I'm glad you said that. But then as I thought about it, I said, hmm, I got a little, got a little bowl. You know, and I said, plus, I don't want to go anywhere where my family don't have a place to live, have a home. He said, okay. So we got on our knees and we prayed about those four things. So that was Sunday evening. Monday came around and God called me and said, hey, man, you still want to go back in? I said, yeah, but there's some things I want, man, before I can go back in. He said, fine. He said, what is it? 
I told him what they were, and he said, I'll call you back. So Tuesday, I didn't get a phone call. Wednesday morning, I got a phone call. I was getting ready to go to work. He called me early. He says, hey, man, they taking your rank back in the Navy. I say, really? He said, yeah, they're going to give you the same rank that you was when you got out. Because they need missile technicians. And so they're going to give you the same rank. If you come right now and sign the papers, you can get the same rank. I was like, no, that's not it. I can't just go with the rank. There's other things that I know that God will bless me and show me favor. The next thing they did, he called me back and said, well, what else, man? He called me back that Wednesday afternoon. He says, guess what, Joe? They're going to give you a $3,000 signing bonus if you come back. They're going to give you your rank. They're going to give you a $3,000 signing bonus if you come back in. Just come and sign these papers. I say, well... That's the things that I really want to do, man. But, but, but what's the duty stations looking like, you know? Where, where, where are they going to send me? He said, well, I'll call you back. So he called me back on Thursday. Thursday he called me back and said, guess what, man? They, they got Norfolk, Virginia, and they got Hawaii. I was like, oh, man. Awesome. I didn't want Norfolk, Virginia, but we did have a church there. But I love Hawaii, but no church. And so I said, okay, well, my wife and I will talk about it. I'll get back with you. So I talked to him a little bit more. And, and so we didn't talk for a while. And that Sunday, we were sitting and we was, we was looking at the stage and it was playing L.A. Fifty people from San Diego walked across the stage. I remember that. And they was all cheering. We're going to L.A. I was like, okay. But then right after that, we stood and we applauded for them. They said, wait one minute. We got this couple from Boston. Brock and Ann Roby. They're going to plant the church in Hawaii. I was fired up. But that was only three things. It was only three. But God was going to show me favor because I laid these requests before him and I prayed for his favor. And so I called the guy Monday and I said, what is the housing like in Hawaii? He says, I'll call you back. And so he called me back. Long story short. He came back and he told me, he says, you know what? The only thing about housing in Hawaii is you have to live in military housing. So they will have a house ready for you when you get there. But if they don't, you have to stay in temporary housing for 10 days. So that happened. God gave me the money that I needed, the rank that I needed, the housing that I needed, and the place that I needed to be in church. And I'm going to show you how God blessed that. When Sarah and I, we got to Hawaii, they was praying for a black couple. You think that's crazy, huh? But they was, playing for a, they was praying for a black couple that could sing. 
They could lead singing. It was 30 people in the church at the time. We met in a circle, and it was all good. After Sarah and I spent time in Hawaii, we started with four people in our, in our living room in Pearl Harbor. We started a military ministry. And when we left Hawaii in four years, we had over 200 people in our ministry. That's God's favor. Noah found favor in the eyes of God. You know, I looked at a few things of Noah's character, and I'll be a little quickly here because I know it's a little warm out here for you guys, all in the shade there. <laughs> the character of Noah is that I've seen that Noah was a righteous man. He lived by God's righteous standards. God's word was the standard for Noah's life. That's why he chose him. What about us? We got to ask ourselves today. Is God's word the standard for our lives? Is God's word the standard in our homes? Because I could really tell as I was growing as a disciple that God's word was very plain when I came to church and when I was around disciples. But when I was at home, his word was totally non-existent. But I say, you know what, if my kids going to become disciples of Jesus Christ, I got to change that. And I changed it very quickly. Because I know that you've heard it, and you've heard it, and you've heard it, and you've heard it. But I'm going to tell you, if you don't sit down and spend time in God's word with your children, it will be totally difficult for them to become disciples. It's got to be the standard in your home. Noah made it a standard because he was a righteous man. He lived by God's righteous standards. Noah was a blameless man among the people. This set him apart by comparison with those of his day. When other students, co-workers, neighbors, or other family members see you, do they see you as being set apart? I have to let people see me as being set apart. Is it difficult? Very difficult. Because my itching ears want to hear what happened last week. My heart want to go to the ones who's crying because their wives have left them or their daughters have left or their sons have left or no matter what has happened in their lives. I want to hear and I want to see those things. Do people come to you when they're hurting on your job? Do they come because they know that you can give comfort? You know, I was kind of wondering about that in my life. I was wondering, how do people see me at work? And the guy told me, I asked the guy, because, you know, my, the guy who I work for, my manager, he's a disciple. And I asked them that question. That's a, that's a great question for you to ask people that's in your life. I asked them, say, how do people see me? I asked my boss. I say, how do people see me, man? He told me, he said, Joe, you ought to know how people see you. I say, how should I know that? He said, every time we have a function, they won't even start it until you come and pray. I say, hmm. 
Okay. So when the next function? He said, it's going to be in a couple of weeks. I said, I'm going to take off and see what they still have until I get back. <laughs> they still had it without me being there. You know, they, they, uh, Noah was blameless. Noah walked with God. He walked with God. Let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. I tell you, y'all might not have me back, but I'm going to tell you anyway. It's easy to be religious when religious is in fashion. It's very easy. But it shows strong faith and restitution to swim against the screen. And what I mean by that is when you are going against the grain, when you're the only one in your workplace who was standing up for God, when you're the only one at home that was standing up for God, when you're the only one at your gym that will stand up for God, God will appear for you. Because you appear for God, He will appear for you. You got to ask yourself this question today How am I walking with God? You know, a lot of times what we do is we think that God is not with us. And I just told this to, to a family member of mine. He said, Dad, I say, sometimes I don't feel like God is with me. I say, son, remember the footprints in the sand? Because those are the times that God is carrying you. But let me tell you something. You get a little heavy for God. You see what I'm saying? What I mean by you get a little heavy for God, we putting on a little weight here. And the way we put on weight is that we don't take things in our own hands and work them out that we should with God. We want God to work it out for us, but we're not willing to put the work in to get the work done. How are you walking with God today, brothers and sisters? Am I walking with him or is he carrying me? You know, I had a brother, I told a brother, he was, he was interested how he was doing in Christ. His son got baptized. His wife still wasn't a disciple, but his son got baptized. And I looked at him, and I told him the truth. I said, you know, bro, ever since I've known you, you've been a weak Christian. I say, for the eight years that you've been a Christian, you've been a weak Christian for eight years. Half, to, half having quiet times. Half coming to church, half doing this. And you know, hey, I tried to meet him where he was at. But he changed it. He said, that's how people see me. I'm going to change it because I want my walk with God to be strong. And right today, you know, this brother, he's incredible. Matter of fact, he leads our new Christians class. <laughs> he's an awesome brother. I appreciate him so much. But lastly, Noah was obedient to God. He did everything just as God commanded him. How are we in this area? Do we do everything that God commands? When I started looking at that, you know, like I said, whenever you talk about Noah, you got to talk about the what? The ark. You just got to. You know, it took 120 years to build the ark. From start to finish. 
This ark was one and one half the size of a football field. It was three stories tall within the hull. That means from the hull to the top. It didn't have a mass because there wasn't going to be no communication. Because <laughs> there wasn't nobody to communicate with. It was constructed out of gopher wood, one of the best woods of that time. Two of every living creatures, one male and female, was brought into the ark. Full obedience. Noah didn't filter what God told him to do. And by not filtering what God told him to do, the direction that he took, he saved himself and his family. I learned something today looking at this man. I really learned something from Noah. And I hope you have as well. I hope you've learned today that we need to live by God's standard. There's no substitute as a disciple of Jesus Christ for us to live any other kind of way. We can't even think about it. We got to have that faith. It's because without faith, we cannot please God. Faith is not an option for Christians. It's not an option. I need to live by a standard in my home. Just not when I'm just around disciples. I must live a life. I've learned that I must live a life set apart from the world so that people can see God in me. I love that verse when it says, when Christ appear, you appear. Because that's it. Christ is you. You are the only thing probably that people are going to see that's Christ. Because there's so much other distractions in this world. We got to live a life set apart. We must be strong and walk with God. What I mean by that is not being carried. Not being these, these weak, wimpy Christians. We got to be bold in the way that we talk about God. We got to be straight fast. Standing firm when we do things for God. You know, one thing that I was very embarrassed by, and I don't know about South Bay, but I know I come from Greater Long Beach, and I, I think we've changed it. One of the things I was very embarrassed by is whenever we needed some Kingdom Kid workers, we was begging. We was pleased. Can somebody please volunteer? But you know what? I believe it's changed so much because people start to, to walk with God and not be carried. If you're visiting here today, what I want you to do is talk to someone that you came with or either talk to someone that you know here so that you can sit down and study the Bible. I think this is the best place in the world for you to see God. Is in this park. Sit down and find out what it's going to take for you to have this incredible relationship with God. Today, brothers and sisters, we have been entrusted with the good news 
the good news of Jesus Christ. The news of a risen Savior. A man who was able to stand in the gap for all mankind. I love to know a man like that. You know, I like basketball. And I like LeBron James. But LeBron can't stand in the gap for me to go to heaven. But Jesus can. He is a man that's strong in every way. He stood in the gap for all mankind. He stood in the gap so that we can have this loving relationship with God. So what I want us to do right now, I want us to honor him and remember him in what we're getting ready to do here. I want us to remember what he has done on Calvary for each and every one of us. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, it's amazing how you are able to die and be risen again so that we can have this relationship with you. Lord, I'm so grateful that your son's body was broken so that we can have life and life to the full. That his blood was spilled so we can have our sins forgiven. Because, Father, we live in a world that is totally sinful. Father, we ask you right now that you come among us, Father, and you bless this time. Father, that we honor you by taking communion today. Father, that we have examined ourselves, Father, and we have proven to be true disciples of Christ. Father, in all things, we pray that we will never, ever leave you. That we will always be close to you. Thank you for this time that we spend together. Father, please bless this time. We pray these things in your son's holy name. Amen.